is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. 508-996-0500. That's how you get in the program. That was Paul Chase. Rail to Boston Coalition. You might remember Paul Chase uh, from being a city council candidate or being the uh, CEO of the Realtors Association down here. But... He's also one of the leaders in advocacy for South Coast Rail, and I thought that was really cool that they have train uh, they have signs for yes on uh, yes on rail, um, or yes for rail. So uh, that's question five on the ballot if you're in New Bedford. So if you want one of those signs, if you want to support the if you want to support the train, you can go get one of those signs. I think he laid out the arguments for rail very nicely. Um, so definitely go check that, uh, definitely go check out Rail to Boston, get one of those signs for your lawn if you live in New Bedford or Fall River. 508-996-0500 is how you get the program. Again, we're going to have Council President Abreu on at 8 to, to do a council post game. The meeting's running a little bit later than, than expected, uh, and I don't know how late it's going to run, so... They might be there for a while. We'd love to give you guys a council post game so you can get immediate reactions to the city council meeting. So they just can't do it while they're in session. Sure would be something if they could, but they can't do it while they're in session. So we will hopefully reconnect with Councillor Abreu later in the show. Uh, if not, then you can probably hear him on Tim's tomorrow. Or, uh, you know, I could have him see if he'll, uh, he, he or somebody from the council will call in. Uh, on Friday evening to give a council post game. So 508-996-0500. We've got Kim Driscoll, Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, who's the Democratic nominee for Lieutenant Governor. She's calling it at 830. We're going to talk to her, get her live reactions to the uh, debate last night between Jeff Deal and Maura Healy. You might have heard me earlier today talk about that debate with Barry, on Barry Richard's show with Barry and Ken Pittman. Um, and I think we all agreed, maybe some of the callers didn't, but we all agreed that Maura Healy won that debate, even if you thought she her performance wasn't spectacular, 
even if you thought that maybe she said some things you didn't agree with. The fact of the matter is that Maury Healy's playing with a optimistically on deal side, right? If you're if you're Jeff Deal, optimistically you're down 18 points. Optimistically, you're down 18 points. You could be down as much as 30. 18 to 30 point um, deficit in the polling. So you really needed to come out if you're a Jeff Deal. You needed to come out swinging. I think Ken was on last night, actually, and he said it perfectly. He was boxing like a European, but he really he, when he really needed to go for the knockout. You think of some, like, big debate moments, um, you know, like Scott Brown saying this is the people's seat, right? Saying that this is the people's seat. Uh, that was a big moment for him. Think of, like, you know, Mitt Romney. I bring this up. He, he you know, he didn't end up winning that election. But the poll, like, the polling and all that, the, the election, it was a much different race after he came out and clobbered Obama in that first debate. I remember he was like, Mr. President, uh, you know, you're entitled to your own plane. You know, you're entitled to the White House, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Remember that? He clobbered him. And, of course, he, I mean, he lied about everything. He lied about not, you know, he lied about all of his plans to do that. But still, he came out swinging. And I remember that race after that, the narrative had changed quite a bit uh, during the last couple months. Obama recovered well and, and did well in those other two debates. Um, and that's, you know, that's really what helped him. But for a while, it was a much different race because Romney had performed so well. And he was the challenger. And you got to look at Deal as the challenger. I know it's an open seat, but and I know Deal's the, in the same party as the outgoing governor. But you got to look at him as a, as a challenger because Moore Healy is the sitting attorney general. She is the Democrat in a mostly blue state, and Joe Biden is. You know, Joe Biden was just soundly elected not that long ago, uh, in part by the people of Massachusetts, right? Um, you know, they, they voted pretty soundly to, you know, they they gave their electoral votes very easily to Joe Biden. So you got to look at deal as a challenger here. He's the underdog. He's the underdog and he really needed to go on the offense and he didn't on top of that, he didn't seem as prepared as Healy was. And he didn't seem as that all that prepared at all. There were certain moments where he was stumbling over his words. Uh, he got, he got absolutely handled on uh, abortion. I mean, Moore Healy really did a great job in making Deal look like, you know, an anti-choice extremist, right? So, and on top of that, he never got Healy off book. Healy never got Healy off book. Every one of Healy's responses is something that she had she had tested with her team the night before, right? Every single one of those responses was a canned field-tested response, which is what you're supposed to do in a debate, right? She did everything she needed to do in that debate. But Deal couldn't get her off book. Everything that Deal tried to criticize her for, she was prepared for. The the pipeline thing, oh, you shut down a pipeline? She was like, well, I saved the ratepayers of Massachusetts $4 billion for it, by, by keeping that pipeline out because they were going to absorb, that cost of that pipeline was going to be absorbed on the rate the ratepayers. You know, oh, you sued Donald Trump so much? Yeah, well, $7 billion was returned to the people of the Commonwealth by me suing Donald Trump. And yeah, sometimes as Attorney General, you've got to sue the president. And it is true in 77% of her cases, I think the Boston Globe had... Um, had come out with a story on that not that not too long ago. It was during the primary. I think seventy seven percent of Moore Healy's cases had um, uh, in which she she sued the Trump administration had and maybe even the Biden administration, but seventy seven percent of those cases had been successful. 
you know, suing the Sackler family, right? And getting that, that is, you know, that resulted in um, hard cash being brought to the cities that were, you know, impacted by the opioid epidemic. There's money coming to New Bedford because of uh, that lawsuit by uh, uh, Healy and other attorneys general throughout the country. So that was the other part is, and I don't think I mentioned this in the in the segment with Barry, is that Moore Healy had a record to run on. She has a record to run on. She's been the attorney general for eight years. She's been a high-profile attorney general nationally. She talked about some of the uh, some of the the big victories she's had in consumer protection, right? And so she was, you know, she, you know, you, every attorney general candidate has said this, but you know, refers to herself as the people's lawyer. I mean, that's all very powerful stuff. While deal. You know, Deal was a legislature. He was a state rep, and uh, you can do a lot as a state rep. But um, you know, his big thing was uh, you know get, helping to get that ballot question to repeal the gas tax hike. But even the way he explained it was uh, it was almost pedantic and like not like you know I put a ballot question on to save you money on your gas. You know, he didn't he 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 couldn't even get that concise with it. It didn't seem like his. And, you know, someone had brought up earlier that, oh, he, you know, deal was interrupted a few times. He wasn't interrupted. He, or if he was interrupted, it's because he couldn't keep time. Maura Healy could keep time. You know why? Because Maura Healy did debate prep. She did debate prep. So, I, I you know... That debate, I, I was, I watched it afterwards. I was here. We were talking with Mayor Mitchell, actually. You know, we had a really good conversation with Mayor Mitchell about the need to pay city workers more and the uh, the need to pay city workers more and um, uh, the ocean, New Bedford Ocean Cluster and a lot of the positive developments that are happening in the New Bedford waterfront, like the, like the, the offshore wind, right, uh, marine tech. And so we were having that conversation. I, I watched it afterwards, and then I, I immediately uh, fell asleep because <laughs> it wasn't, um, you know, honestly, it wasn't all that eventful. I think I, I can't see a single voter, like, changing their mind based on that debate, based on, like, hearing these two candidates on the issues. You you can't say that, you know, deal won a single Healy voter over, right? I, I you know... I think more to the larger point we've been making throughout the show that deals woefully unprepared to to even run this campaign. And if he's woefully unprepared to run the campaign, you know, you've got to question his ability to run the Commonwealth, which is what he's trying to do. More Healy effectively put, you know, hung Trump around his neck like an albatross. And rightfully so he campaigned on donald trump's support he said he was the donald trump candidate he said he had donald trump's back 100 percent. he did all the stop the seal stuff so he was a better off honestly leaning into it you know i was i had just we had justin thurber on the state representative candidate uh from somerset uh the republican and i asked him some hard questions and what i liked about it is he didn't get mealy mouthed he was very upfront uh about his positions on a lot of hot button issues like abortion like, um, yeah, like the Do- like Dobbs and like uh, and the drivers uh, the driver's license bill, and 
I didn't see that in Jeff Deal last night. You know, you, you have a state rep candidate that's, you know, being significantly outraised and outspent, right, over here um, in uh, in Somerset. I disagree with him on, on a lot, but at least, at the very least, he wasn't getting, you know, all, you know, mealy-mouthed about his positions and stuff. Jeff Deal on abortion, you know, he was trying to say, well, you know, I'll support the, you know, like, oh, I'm a, you know, he couldn't really give a definitive, his definitive position in what he would do. I think it was very, I think Moore Healy did a really good job painting him as an anti-choice uh, extremist. And that's something that matters to a lot of people and really should matter to a lot of people. That really should matter to a lot of people. Some people say, mm, oh, well, everybody's worried about the economy, not abortion, right? But, you know, unless you need one, it is an economic issue. It is. So, um, again, I think an easy victory for Maury Healy uh, Jeff Deal needed to really have a knockout punch, really needed to show that he was, uh, you know, he was a legitimate challenger to just at the very least raise a few bucks. But he couldn't do that either. He doesn't have any money. Um, so I think it just continues on. We're, we're, I think the the story of this governor's race is going to be how it's going to impact the rest of the races down ballot. That's the story of this governor's race is how much can Maura Healy carry other Democrats with her? Because we've always we've been talking about the sheriff's race. Right. And, uh, and next week, six days from now, we're going to have the, the first debate first of uh, the first debate for Bristol County Sheriff between Tom Hodgson and Paul Harrow. Healy's con- Healy's endorsed Paul Harrow. Is there you know, is that going to help carry Harrow past Hodgson? Right. Um, is she going to. You know, because her and Hodgson are political rivals, is she going to come down and help Hero? Or in Plymouth County, if you live in Mattapoiset, Marion, Rochester, Lakeville, right, Wareham, uh, Middleborough, right, if you live in that in those areas, those uh, Plymouth people that are in, uh, in Plymouth, you know, people in our listening audience, is Healy's supporter for San Hall going to help him? San Hall's got a lot of money, actually, and so does Tim Cruz. There's a lot of money getting poured into that race. A lot of money. And... Is Healy's supporter of Hassan, is, is, is Tim Cruz, who's been very easily reelected throughout his career. I mean, he's run against Democratic challengers, not every, not every cycle, but most cycles he's run against Democratic challengers and he's washed them actually pretty easily. Um, but you know, is, is it going to be, is it going to be a different challenge with a, I think a, a better funded candidate who, who's, you know, got a lot more juice at the top of the ticket? than he does with deal there. I think that's the, you know, is more Healy going to carry that, that, that hotly contested Senate Senate race with Becca Roush over in, um, uh, in that, in Scott Brown's old district. That's how Scott Brown's old district's held by a Democrat, but she's got a legitimate challenger and a Republican state rep and do, um, in Dooley, and is that going to, you know, is the top of the ticket going to affect that? I think that's the real story in the governor's race now, because I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at the polling, we're looking at the fundraising numbers, and we're seeing the candidates, you know, we saw the candidates together on the same stage last night, and there is no indicator at all that Jeff Deal is going to win this race or is prepared to even make make it a challenge for more Healy. So the story is going to be how many other races does this does does more Healy's victory impact if it does at all. That's that's where I'm at here. I'm looking at whether or not Maura Healy is going to impact the sheriff's race here in Bristol County. I'm real. Uh, I'm 
I'm looking at whether or not Maury Healy is going to impact the district attorney's race in Plymouth County. Those that's what I'm looking at in this in this uh, in this governor's election cycle, because, again, it's very clear that the governor's race itself isn't a race and is not going to be a race. I thought about if Chris Doty was up there, if it were going to be if it would have been different. I think it would have been. I think Chris Doty. I mean, I, I we got we have Jeff Deal on on Monday, Monday, the uh, Monday, August 17th. We have Jeff Deal on the program. So we'll we'll definitely hear from. We'll definitely uh, hear from him. I'm, you know, I want to get his thoughts on how the debate went. Definitely. Um, but I thought about, you know, I had Chris Doty on during the primary. I had him in here in studio for an hour. Uh, just a much better, a much more polished speaker, frankly. And I think had not a record as a public official, but a record as a business person, um, at least to, to, to run on. Which, you know, I always say, it, it, I don't think executive experience in the private sector translates necessarily to good executive experience in the public sector, but it's an argument that definitely convinces a lot of people that definitely convinces some independents. And I think, you know, Chris Doty has a lot more baseline knowledge of how things work than Jeff Deal had demonstrated last night. And I think Chris Doty would have been on that stage, a better candidate. Now would have, would it have mattered I don't know. I don't know if it would have mattered. I mean, you know, you saw the polling in the even in the primary. Maury Healy had a significant, a significant uh, fund uh, um, polling lead over Chris Doty. But I think Chris Doty would have been at least a little bit better prepared to close that gap with with Rep Deal and and hearing his thoughts on the debate. I know Jim Lyons said Rep Deal won the debate, um, but. Uh, you know, and some other Republicans might have said that he won the debate. I will say if I wanted to if I was going to give him some compliments, I think he did a decent job trying to moderate himself on other positions. You know, he definitely again, Maury Healy did an effective job hanging Trump around his neck, which you can't have your cake and eat it, too. He campaigned in the primary on being Donald Trump's pal. And so he has to. He has to campaign in the in the general on that as well. You can't run from it. You have to just embrace it. So um, I but I will say he did a decent job trying to moderate his positions a little bit more. Even on Roe v. Wade, he tried to. He again got mealy mouthed, I think, but he at least tried to. Um, you know, he was basically him and more Healy agreed on renewable energy quite a bit. You know what I thought was funny is that he gave they asked Charlie they asked they asked them I think this was a, a defining moment in the debate they asked him uh, what they asked them each what letter grade you would give Charlie Baker uh, Jeff Deal said a B he said a B even though he was going to pri- even though he was basically going to primary Charlie Baker he said he was a good you know he gave him a B grade as governor I think that's incredible to me I think that just shows. I, you know, I, I think that just shows the, the selfishness, honestly, of running a race. When you're going to say this guy's a good, he's a Republican, he's, I'm giving him a B grade. He's doing a good job. He'll be, he was a good governor. And then you're going to primary him. I, you know, I think that really says a lot about his campaign. Maury Healy, of course, uh, you know, she was a lot more measured and said, 
uh, I'm not a teacher. I don't give grades, which I think was good. You don't want to. I think you don't. You don't want to assign a hard metric like that to something because then you're you're stuck with it. I think that was really smart of her. But um, you know, she said he's been he's been pretty good, or she said very good. She said good. You know, she said he's been a good governor, and she's you know there's an article in the Boston Globe about how you know she's she's modeling herself in that way uh, to be more of a Baker esque type of uh, governor, maybe more technocratic, a lot more technocratic than you know her opponents are probably giving her credit for. So listen, I'm going to take a break. Um, Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll is going to be joining us. She's the lieutenant governor nominee. She's running on the ticket with Healy to be your next lieutenant governor in Massachusetts. So we're going to hear from her after this break. Stay tuned. 1420 WBSM. Tonight, I'm Marcus, and I'm joined by you at 508-996-0500. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like the message on the app chat, I'll take your app chats as well. Uh, I will say, um, uh, yeah, that, that I mean, that's that's... You know, that's pretty much what I have to say about the debate. Uh, if you have any questions or comments on it, if you saw it, if you didn't see it, if you didn't want to see it, uh, you know, look forward to hearing from you on that. Salem Mayor and Lieutenant Governor candidate Kim Driscoll will be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, in a few minutes, I appreciate her taking time out of her busy campaign schedule to make herself available, not to me, but to you guys, to you, the listeners here in the South Coast. I think they've done a pretty good job making a presence here uh, in the South Coast, uh, both Healy and Driscoll. And uh, we do appreciate that down here. Um, it is it, it, it does uh, it does mean a great deal. So. And one of the things I'm I'm looking forward to asking her, actually, there's a lot of talk about the differences between Healy and Deal, obviously, because they're at the top of the ticket. You know, they're the governor candidates. One of them wants, you know, one of them will be the governor. Um, but there isn't a lot of talk about the differences between Kim Driscoll and uh, Jeff Deal's um, Jeff Deal's uh, running mate, uh, former rep uh, Leah Cole Allen. So, definitely like to ask her what she thinks some of the d- uh, differences are between her and Leah Cole Allen, and why she th- believes she'd make a, lo- a better lieutenant governor um, than than Leah, Leah Cole Allen. I, you know, I don't know if there are lieutenant gubernatorial debates. I think there should be. I think that's part of the package, you know, because lieutenant governor I think plays a really pivotal role. Um, in uh, in working hand in hand with the municipalities uh, to to get stuff done, they they field a lot of municipal services, uh, you know, municipal questions from 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 uh, you know from mayors, from heads of city, heads of state, uh, and uh, heads of cities, heads heads of towns. So, um, you know, it's a really important function, and uh, not a lot's talked about, you know, her experience versus Leah Cole Allen's experience. And it is, a, you know, they are part of the same ticket, Healy and Driscoll, Deal and Leah Cole Allen. So I'll definitely be asking uh, her that when she um, when she joins us in the next few minutes. I know she was at Chowderfest uh, over the um, over the weekend at Sierra Buttonwood Park. And I actually think she's uh, joining us now. Hi, Mayor Driscoll. How are you? Good, good. So thanks for thanks for joining me tonight. Um, I did see you at Buttonwood Park uh, over the weekend. You were, um, you know, you, you uh, energized a local, uh, a group of local volunteers. Um, you were telling us, you know, why you're supporting uh, Mayor Haro against Sheriff Hodgson. Uh, and then you went to Chowderfest. How was Chowderfest? Chowderfest was amazing. Some really great local restaurants that were putting out uh, chowder to die for. So I had a good time there as well. We're speaking with Salem Mayor and Lieutenant Governor candidate Kim Driscoll. So uh, 
the debate happened last night between uh, Moore Healy, um, you know, your governor, uh, your governor candidate and uh, Jeff Deal. What's your reactions to um, what happened last night in the debate? You know, I think there was a clear contrast. Moore showed how her experience her commitment to working families, people who are struggling with affordability, and frankly to reproductive freedoms um, is a strong contrast with with Jeff Deal. Um, I think there was, a, a, from my perspective, a clear winner last night, uh, someone who was confident, comfortable, and ready to lead, and that was Maura Healy. I'm so uh, pleased to be her partner and really just proud of the candidate that she's began be, uh, that she that she showed last night and the work that she's going to be doing if we're fortunate enough to win this thing uh, later uh, later this year. So um, a lot said about the differences between Healy and Deal. Not a lot has been said about the differences between you, the lieutenant governor candidate on the Democratic side, and Leah Cole Allen, the lieutenant governor candidate on the Republican side. What do you think some of the differences are between you and Leah Cole Allen? You know, I think the key difference would just be experience, Marcus. Um, I've been a mayor for the last 16 years in Salem. Uh, I like to say that's the get stuff done branch of government, you know, you know, educating your kids, keeping your neighborhood safe, investing in places where people make memories, where jobs are, are happening. That all happens. A lot of that happens, obviously, at the local level uh, with local government being responsible for that. And so as someone who's had to balance budgets and negotiate contracts and deliver services, I think that skill set um, can be a real strong complement to Maura Healy on, and on this ticket. And that's something that I don't think my opponent would really bring forward. So, uh, you know, I, I know you're going to say you don't look at polls, but you guys have a significant lead in the polls, 18 to 30 points based on what's come out after the primary. Uh, has that, you know, affected the way you've campaigned at all? Are you guys focusing on, on down ballot races um, because you feel like you have a comfortable uh, comfortable lead? You know, not at all. We're running like we're 10 points behind. Like we want to make sure people uh, know that we want this thing. We want to earn every vote. We're hopeful that if we're leaning into the work, you know, you saw me at the con- the canvas in New Bedford. Yeah. We're kicking off canvases. We're working with volunteers, knocking on doors, making those phone calls, doing all the things that you need to do to win. And frankly, we want to win this thing big. We want to run up the score and be in a position to, to show, you know, strong energy and momentum. Uh, and we know we're going to have some tough challenges ahead. And the more people who understand uh, the differences in this race and come out support us. We think that's going to be helpful as we need to make some of the tough calls, uh, uh, you know, if we're fortunate enough to win. And, of course, we want to bring others with us. Like, we want to have a strong Democratic ticket up and down the ballot. So uh, I was talking with some uh, I was on a, our earlier more conservative program earlier today. And, I, I you know, I think um, I think Rep Deal got really mealy mouthed on the issue of uh, the Dobbs decision that came down from the Supreme Court. And they were trying to tell me that not a lot of people care about that. And I said, uh, no, you don't care about that. But there are people that might be affected by this that do. Um, why do you think it's important to have a pro-choice governor, a, a governor that's unabashedly pro-choice? I mean, that's where Massachusetts voters are. That's where residents are. We do not want to roll back fundamental freedoms. Bottom line, uh, we're a, a state that I think prides itself on being a leader. And this is an area where we're not going backwards. As, as you know, When that Dobbs decision came out, many of us feel like the clock was turned back 50 years. And we're not okay with that. We're frustrated. We're angry. We're hurt. You know, there is work to do. And there is no way voters in Massachusetts want to vote to somebody who's mealy-mouthed about abortion. This is a fundamental freedom, and Maura Healy and I will stand up and protect it. So um, I did talk to you a little bit, uh, and I know you—you know—you guys are—you guys are, are campaigning hard. Actually, what what, uh, what was on the slate for you today uh, on your campaign? 
Um, I was in Salem, and uh, we do have October happening in Salem. Of so course. I'm, I'm still the mayor, and this is a really busy time here. So I uh, spent some time in Salem today, obviously uh, taking care of some city affairs. And then I've been in Boston uh, for most of the after, late afternoon and evening. So this is actually an easy day for me. Maura, we're dividing and conquering. She was out in Western Mass, Northampton, Orange, a couple right. of other uh, Amherst, um, and a couple of other stops along the way. So um I know this weekend I will certainly be uh, out and about, you know, throughout numerous communities. Again, talking with voters, listening, uh, meeting with volunteers, uh, knocking on doors, making those phone calls, doing the hard work to, to make sure we finish strong. Yeah, you know, I was uh, when you were when you were at the campus kickoff. I was I was talking to your uh, the staffer that was with you, and he said, uh, you know, she really hates when I pull her away from constituents because she likes to talk to them. So I'm going to leave her be. <laughs> I honestly really think that some of the, you know, the best information, the best ideas come from listening to people. Maybe it's the mayor in me, yeah. you know, uh, constituencies, uh, understanding what the challenges are. You, you get that when you're talking to people, whether it's on their front porch, their kitchen table or in a park kicking off a canvas. What's it been like going, you know, throughout the entire Commonwealth going to these canvas kickoffs? What are some of the general uh, discussions that you've been having with the people there? Well, I'll say it's a big state when you got to get around it, you know, and uh, I'm enjoying the opportunity to be in different regions and different parts of the Commonwealth. Um, I think people are excited, frankly, about this ticket, about the opportunities that we have in Massachusetts to have uh, two experienced women, you know, leading the state. And we still hear a lot about housing, Marcus, just the unaffordability yeah. um, of Massachusetts tied to high housing costs. And, of course, fears about what what's happening with, you know, inflation and rising energy costs. So we know there's real work to do to try and address the needs of working families, young adults, older adults who are trying to age in place here. You, you, um, you and you and uh, you and AG Healy came out with a, a comprehensive uh, housing plan. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, thanks so much for asking, Marcus. You know, we really feel like we need to lean in to, on the housing front. We have a shortage of housing in Massachusetts, so we want to have a pro-growth mindset around growing housing, making sure we're also supporting, supporting communities with the infrastructure we know they're going to need when you're growing housing, whether that's transportation, traffic, water, sewer, you know, the type of infrastructure growth that needs to happen when you're seeing a community grow. We think there are opportunities for us to leverage public land, uh, bring in the private sector, like cities don't build housing, states don't build housing. We really want to hear from both our for-profit and non-profit developers about how we can accelerate uh, accelerate the growth of housing in communities. And we think that can help, you know, bring down some of the cost if there's greater availability. And you can't talk about housing without talking about transportation. So we know that's going to have to be a key, you know, a key investment and certainly making it safer, more affordable, more convenient uh, in, in order to meet not only our housing needs, but what comes with housing, which is cars and trying to get more of those off the road. So actually, um, you know, I, I just had somebody on from uh, from from South Coast Rail uh, for uh, an advocacy group for South Coast Rail. We've got an MBTA uh, district vote coming up. You guys have the train uh, in Salem, and uh, you know, I hear I do hear some pessimism from people who are a little bit apprehensive. We've been talking about South Coast Rail for thirty years; it hasn't come, but it looks like it might finally come. We just got to get over this vote. What are some of the benefits that people can expect from rail service? How, um, as Lieutenant Governor and, and Governor with uh, with with more Healy? Are you going to, um, you know, really help strengthen the services of South Coast Rail? You know, Salem has the busiest commuter rail in the MBTA system. 
Uh, we're a multimodal site with serving both trains and buses, and we are before the line split. So we get both the Rockport and the Newberry Port uh, lines coming through. And it's been a real game changer in our community for people who want to work in Boston. We know how pricing is so affordable, so unaffordable in so many places as you get Further out from Boston, things can become a little bit more affordable, and it creates an opportunity for people who don't want to drive, uh, you know, to u- utilize the train. We certainly have seen our housing grow spurred, our job grow spurred, and I, I would expect that would happen in New Bedford with the South Coast Rail coming. And I think it's something that community members uh, can expect to not only help get to and from, open up opportunities for work, for school, for hospital visits, things that um, individuals rely on every day, um, but vice versa, the return. Of, uh, of opportunities on those stops to see uh, transit-oriented development happen. Um, so, you know, I look at it generally as a big plus. It's a big investment. You know, these are the sorts of transformational investments that can really help. It won't happen overnight. These take, you know, it takes years to develop, um, but it is an opportunity for growth, both for people who are going to Boston and want to get there easier and for um, workforce, schools, uh, medical, you know, things like that to happen and housing to happen on these nodes uh, in the region. So, um, you know, uh, I appreciate you joining me this evening. I, I do have uh, just a couple more questions uh, uh, for you. Um, one, you, you know, we talked about uh, the issue of the Dobbs decision coming down and how, you know, you've said uh, the right to an abortion, the right to choose is on a ballot. Uh, what other freedoms do you think are on the ballot uh, with the um, perspective of a deal administration? I mean, I think we're seeing the Supreme Court pushing down a lot more of the things that typically happen, you know, at the federal level to states. So whether that's gun control laws, uh, abortion, as we talked about, we know there's some cases pending around climate and EPA issues that, you know, if there's going to be more of a focus from this court to allow states to take on, a, you know, a larger influence in these areas, it really is going to matter who's in your state house when it comes to addressing the needs of community members of the Commonwealth in general. I think we're a state, as I said earlier, like we like to lead here. We're not a state that just settles um, that for participation. Like we want to be a place that invests and leads in areas, whether it's the climate crisis, public transportation, public education. And so, you know, having uh, having the right people in the state house who, who are prepared to lead is going to be really critical. So Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, uh, candidate for lieutenant governor, thank you for joining me. Thank you for making yourself available to the people of the South Coast. Uh, I mean, we really appreciate it. You coming on this show a few times, showing up in New Bedford. If there are people around that want to know about nearby canvas kickoffs or to learn more about your campaign with uh, Attorney General Healy for governor and lieutenant governor, uh, where can they go? You can go to kimdriscoll.org or moriahealy.org and you can sign up to be a volunteer and you'll get all the information as to when we're having canvases, how you can help from your own home. We've got uh, phone banking that, that people can do right from their own home, ways to, to get engaged in the campaign in these last 27 days. We're really working hard. We want to earn every vote. And, Marcus, thanks for having me on. I think you're really doing a, a great service not only for candidates but uh, for residents who want to connect, want to better understand what's happening. We've seen a sort of a, a decline in community newspapers, yeah. and I think you, you guys are really picking up the slack, so thanks. I appreciate that. Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll, candidate for lieutenant governor, thanks for joining me. Look forward to talking with you, with you in the future. Okay. Take care, Marcus. Be well. All right. If you're on the line, stay on the line. i got to take this break, and uh, we'll be back. This is South Coast Tonight. 1420 W. That was Salem Mayor Kim Driscoll. She's the lieutenant governor nominee, going to be the next lieutenant governor of Massachusetts, um, if we're being realistic about, you know, the polling and how that works. But 
uh, honestly, one of my favorite interviews uh, uh, every time. I've been doing this for about four years now. I've had my sh- own show a little over two years. I've had a, a program that's all to myself. You know, before that, I was I was uh, doing some work on McCarthy's show, Chris McCarthy's own show. Uh, and I gotta say, like I said, uh, probably one of my favorite interviews, not my favorite interview of of an elected official, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think she laid it out pretty clearly, um, laid out the choices pretty clearly. And, um, you know, it's it's your choice to make, but uh, I just don't know how you can... I mean, she said it herself, like, just the, the, the preparedness of the, candidate, the two candidates alone, I think, is enough to say, well, if you're not prepared for the debate, how are you going to be prepared to run, for the, run the Commonwealth? Seriously. But... I'll have Rep Deal on next, um, on Monday, Monday the 17th at 9 o'clock. I'm going to have Rep Deal on. Uh, he's going to be calling in. Chris and I will have a chance, uh, an opportunity to talk to him. Just a little preview of, of what's what's going on tomorrow. Tomorrow we have Jeff Swift, who's a Republican. He's running against Bill Strauss uh, for um, uh, for the state rep seat. If you live in Fairhaven, Mattapoisett, Marion, Rochester, uh uh, southern part of Acushnet and some parts of Ward One in New Bedford, which is the you know the far, far north end. Then, um, you know, he's running to be your state rep, uh, Doctor Jeff Swift, who's a chiropractor uh, in Mattapoisett, won the Republican primary. Uh, one of the, I think, the only Republican primary in in this area, and yeah, I think the nearest Republican primary other than that one might have been might have been the uh, the Cape the Cape and Islands uh, primary. Uh, for district attorney. But we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. Let's actually go to the phones. Good evening. Hi, Marcus. How come you didn't accept calls during when that woman was on Driscoll? I didn't have that much time, honestly. Uh, so I just wanted to, you know, talk to her, and then I took calls after. Plus, I don't like taking calls when people, when the guest is on the phone taking calls. It, it's logistically, it doesn't sound good. Uh, it doesn't, it's not good radio. Um, if she was in the studio, I would have absolutely taken the call. No, because I had tons of questions. I would have loved to ask her how spending money is going to help the environment and shit like that. That'd be a great question to ask her. Yeah. Well, how the train in New Bedford is going to raise rent and how they're going to fix that, even though uh, there's not enough apartments available or housing available now. How that's going to be well, I think housing stocks are, uh, you know, an entirely separate issue that needs to be tackled. I, I did have Paul Chase on uh, earlier from from uh, the Real to Boston Coalition. We did talk a, a lot about that. I mean, rents are already uh, rising now, so I don't know how the, you know the train. I don't think is, you know, that's a problem that's already happening. It is an issue of housing stock that needs to be addressed. I mean, the train isn't going to address that. That needs to be something that happens separately. Yeah, it's like a one bedroom apartment it used to be like a thousand dollars, eleven hundred. Now you're talking almost like fifteen hundred just for a one bedroom. That's outrageous. And it's, yeah, and they they want to add the train. Oh, that's going to make it a lot better for us when people from Boston come over here. Well, I, again, I think that's that's going to be mitigated. Uh, hopefully by the addition of housing stock. I think they've, you know, the city with the ARPA funds is making a commitment to to adding housing stock. That's the only way. I mean, not bringing the train isn't going to make that problem go away because it's an issue of supply and demand. Yeah. New Bedford's already crowded with houses. Where are you going to put more houses so they'll find more apartments? With the area already there's a up. few sites. Um, you know, there's still some mill buildings. Uh, there's the a new housing being uh, built uh, over at the bottom of Union Street, um, over uh, 
near, um, I, I can't name the building, but over by the, the Moby Dick Brewery, there's new housing being built there. Um, so th- there's still some areas that can be, um, that can be uh, uh, converted into housing, okay. for sure. Okay, you get 20, then walk. You find other areas where you can get more housing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll build it on top of that dump. We'll make that, make that whole area, all housing, affordable housing, and then we'll call it some fancy name like uh, Mount Wayne Meadows. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, you can find a lot of reasons to be pessimistic, but it is an issue that I'm, you know, that, that there are people working to address and, and you hope they do. I mean, it's better than doing nothing. They're gonna do nothing. That's the whole thing. Won't we'll make it work. Uh, listen, no matter who gets in, it's not gonna be any better. Hey, man, I, I you know what? I, I think your your pessimism is uh, is 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 justified. I, I do agree with you, but I got to take this break. I appreciate you calling. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye. I take this break. We'll be right back. Why should you download the?